Welcome to the Chi Alpha UNC podcast. We're excited that you've decided to stop by. Today we begin a new series called Verses That Changed Our Lives. Each week you'll hear from one of our staff members about a Bible story that completely changed them. This week, Duncan starts our series out by talking about John 13. This message was recorded on September 1st, 2022 at the Garden Amphitheater at UNC. Please join us every Thursday at 7 p.m. at the UNC campus. All are welcome. Come as you are. Leave as a new creation. Let's go. Welcome to Kyle, guys. Man, you guys look good. Man, so many friendly. Hey, did you notice that it is not sprinkling tonight? That's pretty good, right? And did you notice our screen? Oh, man. <laughs> so raise your hand if you were here last week when you saw that thing rip in real time. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. By the way, I don't know if you knew this, but if you ever miss a message or if you ever miss a Chi Alpha on a Thursday night, you can always catch the message that you missed on our YouTube channel. You can catch it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts. Uh, so make sure to find that. Just search for Chi Alpha UNC. You'll find it. Um, so yeah, subscribe to, the, to that and so you don't miss anything. So if you watch the YouTube video like in real time when the screen rips, it's like you can hear it on the video. It's pretty sweet. So uh, man, tonight's going to be an awesome night. You guys excited? Hey, I want to encourage you guys to go camping with us this weekend. Uh, for those especially that have never, you know, maybe you're new to the state of Colorado and you've never camped before, you need to camp in Colorado, okay? Now, we're going west. We're going into the mountains. We're going into, like, a beautiful place in Colorado. So come camping with us. It's free. We'll feed you. You're not going to regret it. We're going to take some epic hikes while we're out there. It's going to be awesome. It's just one night. We'll be back on Monday afternoon, early afternoon. So if you have homework, you've got plenty of time to do that, okay? And then also join a small group. Man, I've been seeing like small group pictures like flood our leadership thread and, and our social media. Man, join a small group. Small group is where the best stuff happens. Do you guys agree? Those that are in small group, that's where the... See, here it's like a church service, right? Here it's like I tell you something and you're like, I don't know about that. And it's not really the best place to like raise your hand and ask a question, right? I mean, if you do, I don't know, I probably won't take your question. But, but in small group, in small group, you get to wrestle these things out, right? If I say something here that like rubs you wrong, then in small group, you can like tell your small group, man, Duncan said something that just I didn't like. Can we, can we work on that together? Let's, can we dig into scripture and see what he meant by that? So small group, you're going to have the best time in small group. So please join a small group. We had our small group leaders stand up. Probably the person that brought you is a small group leader, so just join up with them, okay? Tonight, we are beginning a five-part series. Um, uh, I'm really excited for this one. You can go to that next slide. We're calling it Verses That Changed Our Lives, okay? You're going to not just hear from me over the next several weeks. You're going to hear from some of our other staff members, and we're going to be talking about different verses out of the Bible that completely changed everything for us. And we're going to not just tell you that it changed us, but we're going to tell you how it changed us. Where we were before we read these scriptures and understood them, and where we were after them, okay? This is a big deal. So please come every single week, Thursday night. Like we said, we'll be out here two more weeks. 
Then we'll move to the UC because it starts to get chilly and nobody likes getting bit by mosquito bites, right? So, bit by mosquito bites, that didn't make any sense. Okay, this evening we're going to start this series. And tonight we're going to look at a set of verses that when I read these verses completely changed everything for me. But before we get to that, I need to give you a little background on myself. So as mentioned last week, you can go to the next slide. As mentioned last week, that's me and my sister when I was like in middle school, all right? I grew up in the Catholic Church. And uh, the reason that I grew up in the Catholic Church is because my mom was Catholic. She was raised Roman Catholic, and she married a guy, my dad, who was kind of a non-denominational Christian, and so us kids were Catholic. <laughs> that's usually how that works. I don't know if any of you guys are there. But uh, so we grew up there. And I went to Sunday school, and if you, um, you know, if you ever was in the Catholic Church, I took my first communion, and I um, went through what's called confirmation, where you stand in front of the entire church, and you say, I am Catholic, you know, until, until I die. And everybody cheers for you, and I don't really know what that's about. But uh, I never really read the Bible for myself. I knew the Bible stories. I knew the Bible stories like Noah's Ark. I think every kid knows that story, right? My kids have a toy chest in the room with Noah's Ark, and I always think that's funny because the most important part of that story is not the boat with the animals, but it's the rampant sin that was around the world, and God basically like destroys the entire earth except for one family, right? Um, so I knew that story. I knew the story of Adam and Eve, the story of Moses and the Exodus. I knew about Jesus, and I kind of knew what the cross was. But I didn't read the Bible for myself. And these stories, they always mentioned God. But when they would mention God, God's, God was a, a foreign concept to me, right? God was this distant per, being or person that maybe I could get to know one day, but I don't hear his voice. I don't see him you know, walking around in the church building, like, who is God? And so I would read about him, but I didn't know him. Sure, he talked to people like Noah, and he talked to people like Moses, but those were famous guys. You know, why would God talk to somebody like me? Why would he bother? Why would he take time out of his busy schedule building a galaxy somewhere to spend time with somebody like me? And this is what eventually, and I shared a little bit this last week, this is what eventually led me into agnosticism when I was in high school. And I thought there could be a God, but I don't really know, nor do I believe anybody could know, and nor did I care. I just wanted to live for myself. Now, maybe some of you here tonight are there. You've heard of God. You know the stories. It's hard to not hear these stories growing up in the United States, right? But maybe you don't know God, and maybe you don't think that he has time for you. So hopefully, after the scriptures we read tonight, that will change for you. Because the scriptures we're going to read literally changed everything for me. And so we're going to share these tonight. And I want you to open up your Bibles, if you have them, to John chapter 13. That's where we're going to be. You can open up your phone, your e-Bibles, whatever. John chapter 13, that's where we're going to be. These verses changed my life. So in this scene, which we are about to read, we see Jesus... And he's with his last, he's with his disciples on his last night, and the next day he would go to the cross and he would be crucified. And he decides to spend his last night with his disciples. All right, so let's let's read in John chapter 13. You can read along on the screen. And it says this. 
It says, now before the feast of Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, the devil, having already been put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, he got up from supper, laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. I want to stop there for a second. Imagine with me what's going on in this scene. You have Jesus, who we believe in Chi Alpha is the Son of God. We believe that he is God incarnate, God in the flesh. We believe that he's fully God and fully man. Those are, that's kind of our quick theology on Jesus, right? And this is, this is somebody who has all authority, somebody who has all power. He is somebody who is able to call down hordes of angels just like that. The Bible makes the case that this person was involved with creation. In fact, the same book we're reading, the book of John, opens up with making the case that Jesus, through him, everything was created. So this is a person who has all power, all authority. He is God incarnate. And he gets up and he starts to do something that isn't very godlike. It says that he takes a towel and he puts it around his waist and he begins to wash the disciples' feet, and he begins to wipe them with the towel that he's dressed in. So let's pick up in verse 6. It says this. So he came to Simon Peter, and Peter, sa Peter said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For you know the one who was betraying him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. So verse 12. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should also do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one who sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Now, I want to stop there. There's a lot here. There's kind of a long set of verses. And if you're any theology nerds out there, raise your hand. Any, any theology? Yeah. So you could dig into these scriptures for weeks. And, you can, and, and theologians have been doing this for centuries, trying to figure out the purpose of why Jesus did this. And this is an amazing scene. So here we have again Jesus, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Prince of peace, the Lord of lords, literally God in the flesh, and he does something that many of us here tonight aren't even willing to do. He washes the, the feet of his disciples. So I want to start by asking you a question tonight. Do you know that God loves you? Do you know that he loves you? When we opened up in John chapter 13, we read that the, the, the setting here is the feast of the Passover. 
So they had just gotten through eating a meal together, the Passover meal, and celebrating what God had done to the Israelites in Egypt centuries and centuries before. And so here, Jesus does something that changes the lives of each one of his disciples in that room. See, Jesus knew on the next day that he would be crucified. Now, he could have made some last huge effort to like evangelize the world before he went to the cross. But I think it's interesting that he decided to spend his last night before the cross with his disciples, his small group guys, right? He decides to spend his last night with his small group guys. So the hour had come and Jesus is about to give his disciples gold. Now he says, uh, John, the author of what we just read, says something super profound. Did you catch this? He says this, he says, Jesus loved his disciples to the uttermost. Everybody say uttermost. Oh man, let's try again. Everybody say uttermost. Yeah. Uttermost simply means this, that Jesus loved them to completion. He could not love them more than he already loved them. And we're about to see why. There's a few other things I want to glean from. It says that the devil had already put into Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray Jesus. You, you kind of know this story, right? Do you remember who, who the bad guy is in the story? It's Judas, right? And Judas is the one that decides to betray Jesus for some silver. How stupid is that, right? But the devil had already been put into Judas. So, so store that away because we're going to get to that in a second. And it also says that all authority had been given to Jesus by the Father. So Jesus has everything that God has. So file that away too. And this sets up what's about to happen. And take this with a grain of salt, but I think, I think John, the author of this gospel, is saying this. Look, Jesus already knows what Judas is about to do. But yet, what's about to happen includes Judas as well. And by the way, Jesus already knew this. And since we believe Jesus is God, Jesus could have snapped his fingers and like disintegrated Judas right there. Right? He could have done it. The Bible says that Jesus holds all things together molecularly. So Jesus could have just snapped his fingers and Judas would have ceased to exist and he would have never betrayed Jesus. But instead of choosing to disintegrate Jesus, he does this. It says this, he got up from supper, laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Now, it's interesting to note why Jesus did this. Why in the world? Like, couldn't have Jesus just got up from the table without the towel? Like, what's the purpose of the towel? That's kind of weird, right? Right? Like, I don't know what he was wearing. He was wearing some kind of robe, maybe, or whatever, whatever they wore then. And he like puts a towel around his waist and he kneels down on the ground at each of their feet with this towel around, around his waist and begins to wash their feet. Why did Jesus do that? Well, we know this. If you study archaeology at the time of Jesus, when Jesus was walking the earth, you know, he lived in, in, in Israel, in, in modern day Israel, in Jerusalem. And th these places were ruled by the Roman Empire. And through archaeological finds, we know that we've uncovered these giant, ornate Roman bathhouses. And these bathhouses were usually owned by wealthy men. And the way that it would work in society, imagine you were a Roman, so picture yourself as a Roman, and you started to stink, 
This is what you had to do. You probably didn't have indoor plumbing. You probably didn't have a shower or a bath at home. So you would go to these, these public bathhouses. So imagine yourself doing this. You're like, man, I'm stinking, man. So you go to this public, and there's a bunch of other people bathing there. It's awkward, right? You go to the gym, that happens, right? How come when you go to the gym and you go to shower, it's all old guys in there? <laughs> like, what? Like, the young people not shower? It's kind of weird. Maybe not. I don't know. But you would have these giant bathhouses, and people walk in these bathhouses, and they would, you know, they would undress, and they would walk into one room. They'd leave their clothes in this room. They'd go and bathe in this room, and when we were done, they leave this room. they go back to the first room. they get dressed again. But the last thing that they would do before they left the public bathhouse is there was a slave standing by the exit. Sometimes he was sitting, sometimes he was kneeling. And these slaves were owned by the same people that owned these bathhouses. And the job of the slave, before the person exiting the bathhouse would leave, the slave would wash their feet. Because literally, the walk from the bathroom to the exit would get their feet dirty again. So it was one last time that they could get clean before they left the bathhouse. Now, you always knew who the slave was in the bathhouse by what he was wearing. He was wearing a towel around his waist. Now we see why Jesus chose to gird himself with a towel. See, in, in, in putting a towel around his waist, Jesus is identifying as a slave. And he, and he puts this towel on in the position of a slave, and he kneels down at these guys' feet, and he begins to wash them. Like, can you imagine what's going through the minds of his disciples? What in the world is he doing? He's the king. He's the guy we're following. Why is he washing our feet? Right? You might, be feeling, you might start to feel guilty if the king of kings started washing your disgusting feet. Right? So if you're taking notes, you can write some stuff down, okay? It is one thing to say that you love somebody. It's a whole other thing to show them. Let me say that again. It's one thing to say you love somebody. It's a whole other thing to show them. In order to truly understand this, let's review a couple things we said in Chi Alpha last week. And if you missed last week, this will be new to you. So in Chi Alpha, we say this about love. Put this up there. Love is unselfishly choosing for the highest good of another. All right? And with that being said, love is a choice, not a feeling. So a 30-second review, if you think love is a feeling, you will, you will constantly get your heart broken. It's not based on how you feel. Because true love is a commitment, despite how you feel. My wife is here somewhere. Where, where are you at? Yeah, she's in the back. Woo! This October, we'll be married for 15 years. Now, can I tell you, that it always hasn't been butterflies every single day. Right? Babe, would you agree? <laughs> right? The feelings aren't there every single hour of every single day. Now, my prayer for you is if you get married one day, that the honeymoon never stops. Amen. Praise the Lord. But sometimes you get a little annoyed with each other. Right? Sometimes you're like, man, you're supposed to do dishes. By the way, she's saying that to me. <laughs> 
you're supposed to take the trash out. The trash is overflowing. And by the way, Lori will do this because that is my job at the house. I take the trash out. She will literally let that thing overflow onto the floor. And the dog is licking the wrappers and stuff like that. Because it's her way of saying, hey, you, you need to take the trash out, right? Sometimes the feelings aren't there. But let me tell you, if I thought love was a feeling, our marriage wouldn't have lasted this long. Do you see that? This is what we believe in Chi Alpha is real love. It's a choice, not a feeling. It's unselfishly choosing for the highest good of another. See, we live in a society that believes in the falling in and the falling out of love. Today, I might, I might love you, and I love being around you, but the next day, who knows? By the way, if you guys are starting relationships, I think that's great, but make sure you're not basing it on what you have in common. Can I just say that real quick? Don't base it on what you have in common. The reason is, is because tastes change. Man, we both like playing soccer. So I, I, I really want to date her. She's good at soccer. I'm good at soccer. We're going to have a great relationship. And, and then she breaks her leg. Right? Man, we really both like metal, man. She's super into metal. She's like a metal head. That's a turn on, man. I want to, I want to date her. And then what happens, she decides one day she likes country. Right? So it's not, yeah, hey, nothing's wrong country, man. I'm just saying, you shouldn't base your relationship on what you have in common. If you want your relationship to last, let it be based on the one thing that never changes, and that's Jesus, right? See, this is the love we believe in in Chi Alpha. John 3.16, you can put that up there. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. See, it says, For God so loved the world... There are people that think that God only loves a few people. I think that's heresy. God loved the world. And he's able to reconcile the whole world through his son, Jesus. We learn that God loves us. By the way, we have the only worldview like this. Um, when I was an agnostic, I studied the world religions because I really wanted to believe there was a God. And I studied the world religions. And can I tell you, in Christianity... And in Christianity alone, does God come down to his creation and die for his creation and gives his life for his creation? It's a God that truly loves and truly self-sacrifices. And in John 13, we see this exact principle. Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Now, notice he doesn't just wash, wash Peter's feet. He doesn't just wash John's feet. He even washes Judas's feet. The guy who's about to betray him and he knows it. This is because God doesn't love us based on what he can get in return. Let me say that again. God doesn't just love us for what he can get in return. If he only loved us for what he could get out of us, then his love is self-centered in nature. Do you see that? If I only love you based on what I can get in return from you, it's selfish. It's not love. It's based on me. It's based on what I can get out of it. But God is the only God who says, I love you despite how you love me in return. I love you despite what you can do for me. I love you despite how useful you are, how good looking you are, or how good you smell. I still love you. True love, you can put this up there, true love, agape love, we talked about this last week, seeks nothing in return. How do you know you truly love somebody? You will seek nothing in return. 
You will give of yourself, not expecting anything in return. Are you with me? Isn't it crazy to think about that God loves people who he knows will never love him back? He loves people that he knows will never respond to him, will never respond to his, his grace and his forgiveness, his forgiveness of sins. He knows there are people like that, and yet he still loves them. That's mind-blowing to me. God doesn't love us for what he can get out of it. As the guards were crucifying Jesus on the very next day from this scene, and they were casting lots for his clothes, and they were mocking him, Jesus cries out to the Father, and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Do you see that? This is how Jesus loves us. In wrapping himself with a towel and identifying as a slave, Jesus acts out this love by basically saying, I am here to serve you. I have not come to be served. I have come to serve and to give my, my, my life as a ransom for many. You could put this other, Matthew 20, 28. Jesus says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To love somebody is to serve them. How do you know you love somebody? You are ready and willing to serve them at any cost. No matter what it costs you, you are ready and willing to meet their needs. Our God is the only God who serves us, the ones he loves. To love is to serve. So love is unselfishly choosing for the highest good of another. Okay, good review from last week. Let's keep moving for the sake of time. We left off of verse 6. Now, here's Peter. I love this part right here. Verse 6, put this up there. So he came to Simon Peter. Peter said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I do, you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. And Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then not only wash my feet, but also wash my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. Now, that's a pretty interesting interaction between Jesus and Peter. We see Peter, and he's absolutely stunned that Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, would bow down to him and wash his feet. Did you know that the very next day from this scene, when, the, when, when Jesus is going to the cross, when he's going to Calvary, people are starting to point out Peter. Hey, that's one of his followers. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not. I promise I'm not. And he denies Jesus three times the next day. And Jesus knew that was going to happen and still washed his feet. Now, it doesn't say this, but I imagine Peter is like, Lord, I should be washing your feet. Why in the world are you washing mine? And I'm sure, I'm sure Peter's motives were right here. You know, like Peter's like, I'm not worthy enough for you to wash my feet. And what Peter didn't realize was that Jesus' love for Peter in this moment was not based on how worthy Peter was. Because we can be sure that Peter did not earn Jesus' love. Jesus' actions toward Peter wasn't based on what Peter could do in return. Do you see that? Now, how many of us do this? You be honest. How many of us, God wants to bless you, and he wants to serve you, but we, we reject his blessings because we think we're not good enough. Right? This happens, right? You kind of feel guilty. 
You kind of feel guilty if you receive blessing. Somebody wants to bless you financially and you're like, oh, no, 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 I can't, I can't accept that, right? Because you think you're not good enough. And by the way, God does bless us. Did you know that the Greek word for bless in Scripture is the same word as to, to kneel or to bow? So when God blesses you, he's literally bowing to you. He's literally kneeling to you. He has to come down to your level to give to you. Isn't that, isn't that incredible? That's crazy. So many times we reject God's blessings because we think we don't deserve them. Well, the truth is, is that you're right. You don't deserve his blessings. You don't deserve them. But he doesn't bless you because you deserve it. He blesses you because he loves you. Let me say that again. He doesn't bless you because you deserve it. He blesses you because he loves you. So the question is this. Are you too proud to receive God's blessings? Pride is the opposite of humility. Sometimes when somebody wants to do something nice for you, you say, no, I, could, I, can't, I can't take that. I can't accept that. I can't deserve it. Well, here's some advice. Just get over yourself. Recognize that you don't deserve it. And let the Lord bless you through somebody else. If God wants to bless you, would you just receive it? No, you didn't earn it. No, you don't deserve it. But God loves you, so he wants to take care of you. So you can put this up there. Humility is this. Humility is a sober sense of reality. It's a sober sense of reality. To be humble is to have a realization of who God is and who you are. That's true humility. Humility is not saying things like, oh, I don't deserve that. That's not human. That's fake humility. Real humility is letting the Lord bless you. Real humility is letting somebody take care of you when you have a need. Shout out to Jacob and Callie Holiday who are doing that literally right now with their house. Somebody came to them in need who didn't have a home, who was scared to go home and said, can I stay with you? And they didn't even question it. Isn't that amazing? We meet the needs of those who have needs. Humility is a sober sense of reality. Okay, we're running short on time. I want to get to verse 12. If we don't get to verse 12, we're going to really miss this. Verse 12, so when he had washed their feet, put this up there, and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then the Lord and the teacher wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. So here's where we're going tonight. In washing his disciples' feet, Jesus has set the bar. If the King of kings, the Lord of lords, God incarnate, the perfect being, would kneel down and wash the, the disgusting feet of his sinning disciples, then we should be willing to do the same for one another. Are you with me? G. Campbell Morgan, a great author, great theologian, I read him when I do sermon prep, he says this. He said, what had Jesus done? Jesus stripped himself of dignity, took the lowliest place of a slave to serve them in their highest interests. So ought we to do for each other? Strip ourselves of all of our dignities and take the lowliest place of service. My friends, we're we know we're supposed to love each other. We tell each other we love each other all the time. But does it ever go beyond words? Or does it turn into action? 
Do we only say that we love each other or does it ever leave our lips and, and come into our hands and turn into service for one another? Now, hopefully, if you're new to our community, if you're new to Chi Alpha, you're starting to see why we invited you. We didn't invite you into Chi Alpha so we can have like numbers or like warm bodies or we could boast about like, hey, look how many people showed up to our service, man. You know, like we don't, we don't care about that. What we care about is serving you. What we care about is loving you. What we care about is meeting your needs. Guys, if you're in a small group, never, ever be ashamed to go to your small group leader and say, I've got a need. I can't meet it. I heard a story out of one of our small groups this week of a guy. It was his first time in small group. And he was sharing how he's short on money and he can't pay his rent. And the rest of the small group pulled their money and paid for his rent. This is what we do in Chi Alpha. We don't care about putting on another church service. We don't care about, you know, making a name for ourselves. We care about you. We care about serving you and loving you. And by the way, when we do this for each other, this is how people know who God is. This is how people know that what we believe is true. The Bible says that Jesus says, actually it's in the same book of the Bible, John, and same chapter, John 13, 35, I think it's up there. It says, by, all, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Right? This is the true test. If you're a true disciple of Jesus, you will love one another, not just with words, but with action. Are you still with me? So if you are here tonight and you profess to be a Christian, I don't know where everybody's at, but if you profess to be a Christian, do you serve one another? Or do you only do that to get something in return? Do you only serve something so you can make a name for yourself or puff yourself up at the end of the day and say, look how good I served. Right? You ever see those like... Uh, those mission trip pictures where people go on mission trips just to take selfies with like the, the, the starving kids and say, look, look, look at how uh, good of a person I am, you know? Like they're trying to make a name for themselves. Man, I don't care if you ever remember me after tonight. What I hope you remember is that God loves you. So Jesus calls us to do the same for one another. Not only when we have time, not only when it's convenient, when we serve one another, it should cost us something, right? It's like, oh, you know, if I have time, I might, maybe I could throw you a dollar or something, you know. It's not that. It should cost you, right? You should be willing to give of your, your, your limited resources for the sake of one another. So Jesus took the form of a slave and served a guy he knew would betray him. So do we only sacrifice for those who are nice to us? Do we only serve those who are kind of, you know, they treat us well, or we like being around them, so I'll serve them? Or are you willing to serve somebody that you know will betray you? That is true test of service. And by the way, some people are hard to love. Do you agree? <laughs> if love is a choice, don't point fingers, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Don't point fingers, but some people are hard to love. And if love is a choice, there are some people that are hard to choose to love. It's like, man, I'm really choosing to love you today. Man, I'm so grateful love is a choice, Caleb. Right? Because despite how you make me feel, I love you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just picking. Caleb's like one of the easiest people to love, okay? 
Um, but we don't, we don't only serve and love people who are easy to love. Let's also serve those who are hard to love. Like, let's serve the person who's super awkward. Let's serve the person who's like, who smells, right? The person that constantly interrupts you in small group. Can you also serve that person? Put this up there. 1 Thessalonians 3.12 says, And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you. So let's do the same for one another. What he did for his disciples in the upper room that night is our standard. So worship team, you guys can come back up. Praise team. Sorry, praise team. So if you're new to Chi Alpha, it's one of our things. We believe that worship is, a, is how you daily live your life. Maybe you grew up in church and worship is just a set of songs. I want to challenge you, if you're with us this year, let worship be what you do every day in your life. And let this, what we do on Thursday nights, be praise to God. Okay, we'll get into that another time. Some of you tonight have people that you're thinking about. As I was talking to you tonight, there are people that Jesus put on your heart. Especially when I started talking about those who are hard to love. Right? You might be thinking of people in your family. I'm going to go there. There might be people in your family that are hard to love. You know, Thanksgiving is only a couple months away, and you got to go sit down at a table with Uncle Bob, who voted for the other guy, right? And he's always letting you know about it. <laughs> and he's always letting you know why it was a mistake the way that you voted, right? Oh, my gosh. He's like, oh, I can't stand being around Uncle Bob. But Jesus is challenging you to love those that are hard to love. Maybe it's a coworker, somebody you work with that just gets on your nerves, man, like, they're constantly trying to overshadow you so they can move up in the company and you can't. Maybe they're always like, they, they promise to cover your shift and then the, like last minute they're like, yeah, sorry, I can't make it. And you got to go into work. And they're constantly doing that to you. Jesus is calling you to serve them. Jesus is calling you to take of your resources and to give to them sacrificially. Maybe some of you have been living in the dorm for a few weeks now, and you live with somebody you haven't said a word to. You share a room with them, but you also share a bathroom with them. <laughs> and that's really awkward because you don't know them. <laughs> but you sit on the same toilet? That's kind of weird, right? And you have nothing in common with that roommate. And they're super into, like, weird, obscure video games, and you really love the outdoors, and you've got nothing in common. Jesus is calling you to serve that person. You've been living with your roommate maybe for years. Let me ask you, how many times have you done their dishes? How many times have you made their bed for them or taken out their trash? I want to challenge you with that. Serve one another. And don't just serve those to get something out of it. Serve people knowing that you may never receive anything in return. But if you do that, you are living up to the standard of Jesus. Let's all stand together. So how did this verse change me? How did it change me? When I first read the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet, it changed me. Something changed in me, and this is what it was. 
as a person who thought God was distant, a person who thought God had no time for me. Yo, he created the universe. Why in the world would he stop doing that to spend time with somebody like me, a lowly sinner? But yet, after reading these verses, I realized because of what Jesus did for his disciples that night, it made me realize who God is. Because Jesus is the physical the, the physical manifestation of the Son, the second person of the Godhead. And anything that Jesus does, you can think that's what God is like. So if Jesus is willing to wash the feet of his disciples and spend time with these disgusting guys, then God is willing to spend time with me. Some of you have been doing church for many years, but you know that you have no walk with God. Let what we read tonight change that for you. Know that Jesus wants to spend time with you, and he wants to serve you. He wants to bless you. He wants to kneel to you and give to you. He wants to come down to your level and take care of you. Yes, he does have time for you. Before I read these verses, I didn't think I deserved God's love, and after reading these verses, I knew I didn't deserve it, but I was willing to receive it. So we're going to do this tonight. I want some of my staff members, if you're out there, if you'll come forward, just kind of make, your, make yourself available on the sides and in the front. And if you need prayer tonight, if you've been struggling with this, if you don't believe God speaks, if you want to hear his voice, I want you to come up for prayer. These are examples of people that love you and are here to serve you. They've given this entire school year and probably more to making sure you're taken care of. So praying with one of these people up front is safe for you. You can, you can have confidence in them that they will help you walk this thing out. Tonight, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know about his sacrificial love for you, if you don't know what he did on the cross for you, if you have not accepted forgiveness of sins and mercy and grace from the Father, I want to pray with you tonight as well. If you're not comfortable coming forward, grab somebody who brought you. Grab somebody who invited you. But I want to spend these next few moments in prayer before we get back into praise. Is that all right? So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get back into it. Father, we love you. We are grateful for the Son. We are grateful for the Son of God who came and served us, who came and washed my feet when I didn't deserve it. We are grateful, Jesus, for your mercy and your grace. You do have time for us. You do speak to us, Jesus. And we are ready and willing to hear your voice tonight. We're ready to hear from you. We're ready to receive from you. We cast out our pride that says we're not good enough. Instead, we humbly, we humbly let you kneel to us and serve us tonight, oh Jesus. Some of us tonight are thinking about a loved one that doesn't know you. Some of us tonight are thinking about there's no way I could reach out to that awkward roommate. There's no way I could do that. Tonight, Jesus, would you empower us to do these things? Would you help us to love one another? to serve one another sacrificially. 
the way that you called us to do. Jesus, we owe you everything. We give you everything. We give you our lives. You deserve it all because of what you have done for us. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So if you need prayer, come pray with one of these up front or pray with somebody next to you. For more information, please visit xaunc.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash xaunc. Our Instagram handle is at xaunc, and you can find all of our content on our YouTube channel by searching for Chi Alpha UNC. Until next time, may the Lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Thank you.